0: This is Jennifer Pepita with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. Today on the show, I'm so excited to be talking to Mary Heffernan. She is on Instagram at 5Mary's Farms. She's a busy ranch mama running her I mean I don't even understand how you run everything you do with four children four children or five
1: four (laughs) Four girls girls. I'm the the fifth Mary
0: you're the fifth I'm like wait five so I'm so excited (laughs) to be talking today with Mary Heffernan about having a family vision going after it and managing all of the work along the way thanks for joining me today Mary
1: yeah thanks for having me I'm so excited to be
0: here Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you. I've been reading through your new book, The Hands-On Ranch Book. It's amazing. It has kind of like how to do everything. And I know that many families who kind of set out on this path to be an intentional family and have a vision and have a restoration home, a lot of them do decide that part of that is going to be having some property or growing some of their own food or you know maybe having some kind of a family business how did your family get started doing this amazing enterprise
1: You know, we say this journey really found us. We were living in Silicon Valley, which is where I grew up before it was called Silicon Valley. Um, And we had four little girls. My husband had a law practice. I've always been an entrepreneur, so I had a lot of different businesses, brick and mortar shops, and life was just really busy. Um, But we both come from big families and Everything is usually centered around food for both of our families. So, we, a couple of the businesses that uh, my husband and I had started together were restaurants serving families really good quality food. You know, we always, it was important to us to source our ingredients well. And we were on the hunt for really good quality meat. Um, We were going as far as going out to different farms, you know, learning about their practices. We even rented a trailer and picked up a few steers and took them to the butcher ourselves. You know, we really wanted that to be a big part of the process. And then uh, we kind of did a deep dive into what makes really good quality beef. Um, And it's, it's genetics, it's the feed program, it's how they're raised, it's the finishing, um, it's the dry aging, which is really rare these days, you know, where our our society is all about efficiency instead of, you know, hanging, uh, like our ancestors did hanging your, your a wild game or your beef in a shed in the back. And that aging process is really important. So we were on a mission to bring that back and make that accessible to our customers. And when we couldn't find a small farmer ranch that could do it on the scale we needed, we naively thought, you know, we're just going to do this ourselves. <laughs> we could buy some land. Our brother-in-law is a cattle rancher. He can help us navigate how to do this. Um, and I think, you know, our ulterior motive was we really wanted a place that we could go and get out of the hustle and bustle with these four little kids. The girls were Um, ages one to five so we found this ranch up in Siskiyou County Uh, we're at the top of the state in California in the mountains and started coming here on the weekends to set up operations And after uh, eight weekends, making the six to seven hour commute back and forth with four kids and four car seats, we just said, you know what? We can't do both of these things well, and we have to pick one. And this really feels like home for us. This feels like where we want to raise our family. Um, So we say it's the easiest decision we ever make. We looked at each other in the car, leaving the ranch and said, let's just not, let's not leave. Let's make this our life. Uh, But then we had to unwind, you know, a life and businesses and sell a house and move from the land of amenities to a 700 square foot cabin with no heat, no dishwasher, seven ki- or four kids packed in uh, one bedroom in 700 square feet. So it was it was a huge lifestyle change for us, but um, really there was there was no looking back.
0: That's amazing. We, my family, uh, my husband and I, we moved to Mexico at one point and lived off grid and lived in a travel trailer. Like we've done some of those crazy things that families do in their search for a more intentional life. But one of the things like for us, I don't think we necessarily had great skills for working through conflict. And so even though the ambition for us as a family was this really lofty one of helping other people or making a better life for our kids, some of the hard work of our, you know, there we had a little season also where we had a small Uh, hobby farm some of the work actually created some conflict in our family and and maybe even caused some trauma to my kids because my husband and I would be like fighting over how much work there was or I was so exhausted how have you and your husband navigated like this intense level of work and even hardship and still created a connected family That's a great
1: question, and it's so true. It is really hard work, like farming, raising animals, raising livestock, homesteading. It's always way more work than you expect, and you know there's not really the dollars in it that make it make sense. You know, a lot of people who've come from other lines of business, they're like, "What are we doing here?" Um, But we that part of what we knew. We were so passionate about raising this really good meat, and we knew we had to do the direct-to-consumer route as the only way to really make it make sense as a first-generation ranch um, financially, you know, reaching those consumers directly. So that added a whole other level of, like, how do we do this? Um, And in the beginning, I think part of it was our kids really had to step in and help. You know, we went from, we joke like filling their sippy cups and organizing their play dates to, you know, dad and I have to pull a calf. It's raining. It's dark. It's late. Like the six-year-old, you, you got to make dinner for your sisters. And what we really saw jumping into this, uh, you know, with both feet and completely as a family was the kids' Our expectations raised were raised for the kids, and they really stepped up to the plate and kind of embraced that challenge. Um, you know, I think they felt really empowered. Like, oh, wait, wait, we can do these things. We can be helping our family with this giant, you know, choice that we've made. This lifestyle, and um, our kids really took to that well. I think the ages helped, you know, they weren't, our oldest had just finished kindergarten, so they hadn't gotten established, um, or really gotten spoiled by a life of amenities and, and they loved, you know, playing in the dirt and outdoors. So it wasn't like a big lifestyle change for them. Um, and my husband and I have, you know, we've done, I think coming from service industry in Silicon Valley, like that was hard. It was hard, you know, pleasing people. And there's always a lot of issues that come up running restaurants. We've always jumped into big ideas. And I think this was a big idea that we just committed to. And we knew there was no going back unless he wanted to go back to being a lawyer. And I wanted to go back to living in Silicon Valley and dealing with people, you know, complaining about how they were going to leave a bad Yelp review. So the, the, the focus just totally shifted, but it was like, we had so much purpose with this new lifestyle. And, um, it did feel like that hard work was worth it because at the end of the day, you're exhausted, but you're really fulfilled.
0: Yeah, I can totally attest to that. And when we did live off grid in Mexico, it was actually some of the happiest memories of my children, even though the life had very little in terms of amenities. We were, you know, we had a thousand gallons of water a week and we had no internet. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. (laughs) And really poor electricity. But for my kids, that there was something about, like you said, a life of service and real purpose that made them feel inspired. It was more my attitude that, that sabotaged it. But, and and so (laughs) how have you, like, has it been hard for you as a mom to be like, okay, we can't have... You know, we can't be running into town for every single play date, or there are things obviously that you guys are giving up. How have you reconciled that in your mind as you've been raising your girls in this beautiful lifestyle?
1: You know, we have a great community here, and the difference really in in the communities that we move from and we move to are the priorities. And where we are now, uh, everybody works, you know, and everybody works hard and works as a family. And even if the parents have town jobs, you know, there's a lot of teachers and nurses, they're still usually doing something at home, whether they raise some cattle or they farm some land. Um, And people have to work together to Make all these things happen. You know, when we have a branding day, the neighbors will come over and help for the day and, you know, in exchange for a good meal at the end. We do the same for our neighbors. Um, So it really was not as much of a culture shock to dive into, you know, what are play dates, play dates and dinner parties don't happen in this lifestyle, but a branding day, that's, that's the equivalent. You know, the kids get to do something purposeful with their friends. We all enjoy a meal afterwards. So it was really just kind of, um, not having those distractions and knowing that like, this is the culture that we live in. These are the people that we surround ourselves with, um, that makes it feel like it's the right thing to do. And you're not missing out on anything.
0: Yeah, so good. The podcast is based on a book I'm writing about the Benedictine rule and how moms can kind of put it into practice in their lives today and have more peace and order in the midst of a chaotic society. So, in some ways, a ranch life is a lot like a monastery life. Like, there does have to be a lot of order and rhythm to be able to get everything done. How have you, like, how have you seen that kind of play out? Some of the daily routines or rhythms that you have to have, especially because you're not just a ranch mom, you're also running the beautiful entrepreneur business that you guys have. And, uh, and you are somehow the director of your restaurant. I mean, there's so many things that you have on your plate (laughs) and you wrote a book on top of that. How, how, what kind of rhythm and ritual do you have in your daily life where you can get all this done?
1: You know, my husband jokes that, you know, every day is Groundhog Day on a ranch. Like, there's no days off. There's no special days. There's no holidays. Like, every day you wake up and you take care of your animals and you, you irrigate your land and you, and you do the same thing. But in this life that we've created and when you're dealing with livestock or farming, every day presents a new challenge. So you don't know what you're going to face when you wake up. You know, it could be a sick calf. It could be something, you know, a, a sickness running through your whole herd. It could be drought. Like broken fences. There's something that comes up every day that we look at each other and go, Nothing's easy, is it? <laughs> but our, our tagline is nothing's easy, but it's worth it when you, when you keep pushing through and together find a way to get over these obstacles. So we don't, we have a routine in the sense that we know what our jobs are going to be every day, but it's hard to keep a routine when you're raising animals because things come up. So, you know, there's no set dinner time. Our rule is our animals are fed before we are. So sometimes that means, you know, in summer and there's more daylight and we have projects to finish. Um... Things things happen late. Then we eat dinner really late. If we're uh, something comes up where we all need all hands on deck on the ranch to you know deal with a sick horse or whatever it might be, um, things get pushed back. You know, kids kids can't go to school. Kids have to be here to help. Um, the rhythm that we find is really just. We, we keep our priorities straight every day with our, our animals come first and then family is right behind that. And um, everybody pitches in, you know, when there's things that need to be done, there's no way as a mom that I could keep the household running and keep up with all the laundry and make all the meals and run these businesses. So the kids really help out. You know, I mean, I enjoy cooking dinner for my family, but there's a lot of nights I come in and, you know, my 10 year old has, has, is at the stove and she's made dinner for the family and she's so proud of that. And, and she's a good cook. So we eat well, but, uh, you know, the other girls, they, they take over the laundry. Like it really is a team effort to, um, to get it all done and to figure out, you know, how to make sure that the biggest priorities every day are taken care of.
0: Yeah. You know, there's kind of an epidemic in the country of like teen depression, even suicide. Um, a lot of isolation, and anxiety, how do you feel like being, you know, cause there's a few aspects of your lifestyle. For one thing, you guys are out in the country, like your kids are out in nature every day for hours, I'm sure a day. And then also there's so much purpose in your life. What do you feel like has really helped your children? Cause they're obviously very capable and, and I'm sure just have a real sense of purpose in their lives. What are some of the things that you feel like have impacted that?
1: You know, I think that a big part of that is knowing that you are not the center of the universe and other things are more important than you are. And when you have animals and you're trusted with the care of them, um, you know, we, we're a cattle ranch. We have a lot of cattle. We don't expect our children to be in charge of the lives of all of our cows and their calves, but they have their own projects. You know, they do 4-H and FFA, they raise steers for the fair and that's their animal. They're in charge of making sure it's fed, you know, twice a day, it's always got water, it's got exercise, it's got shade, and they have horses. You know, my girls are competitive in rodeo, which is never something I thought I would, um, I would never thought I'd be a rodeo mom, but it's really important to them and it comes with a lot of responsibility. You know, horses are uh, one of the more difficult animals to take care of because they like to get hurt and they've got, you know, they have to have new shoes put on every six weeks and they need supplements and some of them need uh, older horses, needs, you know, special kinds of grain and they, they take care of those horses. They are their responsibility. If they want to ride and compete in these sports, um, that's on them. And my husband and I, of course, you know, give them the tools that they need to do this, but when they know that something else uh, that they care about is relying on them, um, and that they're not the most important thing, and it's not just about, you know, Are you having a good day? Are you having a bad day? There's always a bigger picture, bigger priority. Um, I think that really puts things in perspective.
0: Yeah, that's so good, Mary, because I do think that especially so many of my listeners are homeschoolers. And I think for us, sometimes we can get so hyper-focused on our kids that we actually give them too much attention. and, And having a life where you guys are living after a purpose together, I think is really one of the best ways to raise... Well-adjusted, happy, and purpose-led children—it's amazing.
1: I—I I think it's so true. When we moved here um, ten years ago, almost now, which is crazy. Um, We—I learned so much about my kids and what. that I needed to raise those expectations of them for their own sake, you know, partly for this operation to work, but also for them to feel empowered and capable. Um, And I wrote a little ebook on called What I Learned. It was called They Can Do It, What I Learned About Raising Kids by Moving to the Country. Because it wasn't like I sat down to say, okay, I want more capable kids. What parenting book can I read to make them more capable? It was just born out of necessity. And I saw that I had been doing them a disservice when we lived in the city in an urban area I mean, it was the suburbs, but, you know, from where we are now, we call it the city. Um, I was doing them a disservice by doing too much for them, planning too much for them and not expecting that they could take care of a lot of things themselves and that, you know, they would benefit so much from that.
0: Yeah, that's so inspiring. So what would you tell families to do like who are living in a suburban house and there's no animals to take care of and and so their boys or their girls are just sitting and looking at reels all day or watching video mm-hmm. games or whatever?
1: I think you, you raise your expectations and then raise them again. You know, if if you... Have a three-year-old who can work your iPhone. That three-year-old could probably figure out a washer-dryer. You know, put them in charge of laundry at a very young age. Have them be responsible for some of the things that make that your family run. You know, if you meal plan, like give them a few cookbooks and say, you pick what we're going to cook this week and then make a shopping list and help me, you know, go to the grocery store. I think they're, it's not just... Um, It's not dependent on raising livestock. It's really looking at what is your family unit? What makes your family unit run? And how can you make your kids be a more a part of making that all happen instead of doing it for them?
0: Wow, that's so good. In your book, you give advice on how to do almost everything, like how to find drinkable water how to filter water how to when to collect eggs how to do leather work and how to make maple syrup there's so many cool uh, tutorials in this book how have you taught your girls like have you just brought them along with you or how have you taught some of these skills to your own family
1: so when we, uh, during the pandemic, we, you know, the kids, we've gone back and forth. We do a mixture of homeschool and online school programs and our public school. Um, every year is a little different based on what that child needs that year. Um, but we've been lucky to be to do a combination. But of course, during the pandemic, when um, everybody was home, we said, you know, we've got all these great resources on the ranch to teach the girls some really cool skills. like We've got this amazing um, older handyman who helps us and he was great at welding and a great teacher. So we said, John, can you teach the girls how to weld? And then we said, you know what, if we're going to teach the girls how to weld, why don't we share this? You know, we can take videos, we can make a lesson about what he's teaching. We can do some hands-on tutorials. Um, Why don't we share this? So we created this program called M5 Ranch School that's virtual, it's supplementary, it's not an actual school, it's uh, supplementary learning, but it's 40 workshops based on all the things that our kids were learning around the ranch, how to raise animals from chickens to livestock, how to, you know, harvest maple syrup, we traveled to other ranches, um, you know, like ice fishing, all kinds of cool things. Um, And some of the old skills like bread making and candle making and and cooking and baking. So the program, it's all virtual with 40 different weeks of topics. Um, And we really wanted to make it a book because it's nice. You know, we're all sick of being on computers and and watching videos. Um, So the Hands-On Ranch book was born from that idea. Uh, in the the ranch school program, we tried to take all the material we compiled, and it was twelve hundred pages of lessons and worksheets. So we said that that's that needs to live online. That's too much to print in a book. Um, so we worked with the publisher to create this hands-on ranch book, which is kind of an abbreviated version of ranch school and takes pulls out a lot of the the skills, the tutorials, the how-tos, the learning. Um, you know, it's not made for kids who only, only kids who live on a ranch, you need to learn the skills. It's really made for kids anywhere who want to learn a little bit about what these kind of old world skills are. You know, the tagline ends with the everything else people used to know how to do. Um, so it's just kind of a a fun, brief, uh, book that dives into a little bit of everything from homesteading, raising animals to the way people used to live
0: yeah so good i'm really excited for families to learn these skills in the peaceful press playful pioneers resource we go through the little house on the prairie books so a big part of that is you know learning how to make butter or felt something and and then just getting an appreciation for what it took for families to live 100 years ago when they didn't have all the amenities we have today well mary this has been so much fun. I'm really excited. It's my dream to come visit at least the Burger House, but yes, I'm, just so to excited. Have you. <laughs> I'm so excited about what you're doing and what you're encouraging families to learn and just so much wisdom there. So thank you so much for sharing it with the Restoration Home community. Yeah. Thanks
1: for having me. It was great to get to chat with you.
0: Yeah. And we'll link the book in the show notes and you can find Mary on uh, 5 Marys on Instagram. And what's the website we'd love to send people to?
1: 5marys.com um, is our main website. We're actually rebuilding our website now. So it's 5marysfarms.com um, now, but we're switching it over to 5marys. So a, a quick Google of 5marys should put you in the right place.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mary. It's been a joy to chat with you.